Diary of a Pandemic is a podcast and personal development community that lives at the intersection of three suppositions. The first is that there's a global pandemic happening as we speak that is reorganizing a lot about what we expect from the world. The second is that unconditional freedom is freedom in all conditions. The third is that the play between the first two is bound to create whole new possibilities for how we human. These are the daily chronicles of two transformational coaches as we pursue the path to unconditional freedom in the context of unprecedented times. I'm Kianga Ford. And I'm Rachel Paz. And together we'll explore both what new paradigms and possibilities are emerging in the world and what new desires and gifts are being germinated within us. Each day we'll answer the same six questions focused on who and how we want to be as we venture through whatever new life circumstances the Rona brings. We will meet those with full responsibility for what this moment wants to teach us about how to get free. Welcome to Diary of a Pandemic. Hello. Hello there. How's it going? It's going great, actually. Huh. My neck is on the mend, which is a major win in my life. That is great. That is great. I do notice more mobility in it, actually. I can look up. It's a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) You're ready to discover amazing things like gravity now. Ooh, it's true. It's true. I have a very elaborate morning routine, though, when I wake up. It involves bending over and shaking my head, (laughs) trying to get all the things moving. So it looks a little bit like a flash dance, but it's for yourself? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, maybe not quite so extreme, but yes. It's like flash dance for the elderly. (laughs) Great visual. Oh my. Yes. Well, hello, people. We're here laughing about life as per usual. We thought we were going to come and talk to you today in our weekly deep dive episode about the growing numbers of the unemployed. And maybe we'll still talk about that. But in our pre call, the thing that was really present for us was kind of the observations that we're having around how people are responding to things opening and who is still deciding to shelter in place, who is preparing for the second wave and who's just like, oh, great, back to business as usual, things must be fine. Um, So yeah, we're going to wander for a little while and see what emerges. Rachel, you have any place you want to start? Well, as we were talking, the thing that popped into my mind was I saw that the, um, the the wall street exchange opened this week Mm. and i was like what what how 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 can you do that and so apparently there are rules now like you can't shake hands with anyone you have to be masked social distancing there's no more of the like you know during um you know um companies would come and ring the bell or whatever for the opening like there's no Mm -hmm. more of that there's no more media involvement um on the floor itself but I just thought, how interesting, in particular, when so much of the trading is not done on the floor anymore. 
Right. Like, why does it matter? Right. The, the exchange was still open when the floor was closed. Right. And so 90% of trading apparently happens digitally. As one might expect. Right. Right. So there's like a symbolic reopening. Mm -hmm. Huh. And there are some people that are willing to put their own health potentially on the line for the, the kind of holding up of that symbol. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because I was like, if that was my job, I don't think I would be going. <laughs> hmm. Well, you know, part of this started because I understand that Florida is largely, and that's where I am, Florida is largely open, but I don't know much about it because I am not going out there <laughs> at, at, at this point. And, you know, if you haven't been following for long, I'm not germphobic. I just really, for me, there are no parts of the true material conditions that have changed. Right. So I don't yet see an impetus to shift my behavior. Also, this past weekend was not going to be the time that I would have tested it. I'm about 30 minutes away from like the major destination beaches on the central coast like Daytona and New Smyrna. And I understand that the beaches were disbanded this weekend because there was just massive congregation on the beaches. So I, I've heard that the cops sent people home. Yeah. A lot of holiday gathering out there, apparently. I was wondering about how Memorial Day weekend would go, right? Because it's traditionally a time where people like to be outside and camping and barbecuing and getting together. And I was like, I wonder what that's going to look like. Throwing parties. My host went to a barbecue. I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Will not be joining you. Thank you very much. All right. It's really interesting to me, though, I was telling you in the pre-call, right, I uh, was just having a conversation with someone who um, lives in Washington and has a boyfriend in Arizona who is a musician, and he plays musical gigs, right? And in Arizona, that's now a thing, right? It's a, it's a possibility, right? And there's no way you could pay me money to go to a concert right now or a show of any kind, especially if it's inside. Um, and I actually don't remember the details about this particular show, but I'm just like, I mean, I wouldn't go to a show outside, but I definitely wouldn't go to one inside either. Um, right. And for me, like, it's not like, oh, does this building have 50 people in it or 60? It's like, no, if there's more than like five, I'm out. <laughs> 10, that's about my max at the grocery store. It's, it's just really interesting. Mm. It's a fascinating psychological moment. I remember one of the first things um, that came up in our conversation was that the retail stores here are now open again. And I had someone telling me, recounting that there are people queuing outside of the Ross to get in. And I just thought, there's nothing that I could need badly enough from Ross, the home of Dress for Less, that would inspire me to be queuing under the current circumstances. Um, so I'm just really curious, like really curious about like where, what needs are, are people trying to meet, right? Like what, what is the actual urgency? 
Is the urgency just to be back in activity, to be in distraction? Is, are there actually particular objects that are needed? And so much is available online that that makes me wonder, like, is there a class disparity there? Like class divergence where like the people who don't see themselves as online consumers because they're not online are mm -hmm. needing to go back into physical places. I'm, I'm curious and it's not at all clear to me. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've heard people mention increasingly um, is like the need to roam right? The need for some space where they can like just take up some space mm -hmm. and not be too worried about running into other people and things like that, which is not what's happening at the Ross Dress for Less, right? But, <laughs> but like, is the, is the freedom of movement so important to who we are that like, we're willing to get that in the ways that we already know how to do that, right? Right. My 94-year-old father yesterday went to Costco with my mom, um, probably 30 miles away from where they live. He stayed in the car. He had not left the house in approximately three months. Oh. And he was just like, it was, you know, we listened to some music. We chatted a little bit. It was, I waited in the car. I wasn't in any sort of hurry. <laughs> like, it was a really sort of sweet recount of like, his experience of like, I got to leave the house. I got to see something different for a minute. That was pretty awesome. Totally. And you know, I myself am feeling that like desire to just be more mobile, right? Like more in motion. And so, you know, I know it's not really so much a desire to judge the behavior as to really like get the behavior. Right. And, and the kind of, um, understandings information conclusions that are going along with it like are people just like i need movement freedom mobility roaming so much that even though i understand that there's still a considerable public health risk i'm going to do this or are people really like oh the public health risk is over right they wouldn't have opened these things if there were still risk i'm i'm really just quite curious um how we're processing this. Well, I know for me, like my behavior has not changed considerably at this point yet. Um, I mostly stay at home. I walk around in the neighborhood. I walk around on a beach that is fairly, you know, relatively low population, right? Like there's not a lot of people on this beach. There's plenty of space. It's not like the masses going to the Florida coast, right? Right. Um, so I do that and I do that unmasked because there's so few people that I can do that unmasked, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I go to the grocery store about once a week and I do that with a mask on. Mm -hmm. Those are literally the places I go. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the extent of my field trips these days. And then, and now I've started going back to Seattle, right? Going back uh, every other week to Seattle where um, I'm still not going anywhere, right? I'm still uh, walking around the neighborhood, but mostly staying in the confines of my room, right? And so it's interesting though, when I, when I look at my own internal process of considering, when I think about, oh, are we in this for the next three years? Hmm. Is this what I want my life to look like for the next three years? I'm a no. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> solid no, right? 
Yeah. And so when I think about those things, I start to, my logic starts to uh, shift a little bit, right? If I knew that this was going to be, you know, because it's sort of like the, um, the um, frog in boiling water, right? Where like you put a frog in water, seriously. No, I don't know this, but it sounds hard for the frog. <laughs> if you put a frog in like lukewarm water, right, and then you turn the heat up, turn the heat up, turn the heat up, the, the frog doesn't ever um, reach the inclination to jump out because they've just become acclimated to it, right? That's apparently how you cook frog. Um, anyways. <laughs> Noted. Or with a really, you know, a good lid on your pot. I've never cooked frog. I know nothing about cooking frogs, but... Um, but the idea, right, that like, oh, you go into quarantine, <clears throat> excuse me, or lockdown, and you don't know how long you're going to be here. So you just sort of, okay, 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 okay. And then the next thing you know, like three years of your life have gone by and you've been inside the same four walls, right? And so that is not the experience I wish to have. Right. And so when I think about it from a different perspective of, okay, if this is how life is from now on, what, what risks am I willing to take on in order to continue to live life? Um, and so then like the, the, my, my willingness to face risk actually changes quite a bit. Right. And that makes total sense. And so if I can come into a place of acceptance of this disease is not going anywhere mm -hmm. and at some point, excuse me, I'm going to have to develop a different relationship with how I live my life amidst this disease, right? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Am I banking on herd immunity? Am I waiting for a vaccine? Am I, fingers crossed, going to be one of the ones who experiences as asymptomatically and is willing to like expose myself to do that? Like, what are the things? And I think a lot of the decision-making actually... Mm, I think a lot of the intentional decision-making around change in behavior has to do with following those patterns, right? Like, what does this really look like? What's it going to look like? And who will I be when it, like, if I was having a conversation with someone last week about the vaccine and mm -hmm. he asked me, like, if a vaccine becomes available for this, will you get it? And, you know, quite frankly, I'd, I don't know. I sort of am leaning towards the side of no at this point, right? So if that's where I sit, then I need to become comfortable with the reality that like exposure is likely at some point. So what do I do to manage exposure, but also to like, what do I do to, you know, not have to like lock myself in my house for the rest of my life because this disease is going to be a thing. And how do I handle like wanting to go about my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, that was really interesting. There was a point where it really felt like a, a clear resonance and now it's a little hard to attach to like where that point was, but I was definitely thinking about like the indefiniteness of time, right? Like if you tell me that this is a finite amount of time, kind of no matter how much time it is, I can work with it, right? Like, oh, I will do this in this way for the next six months, the next nine months, the next 72 days. Um, but when it becomes this kind of potentially infinite time, 
then it does change the choice metric, mm -hmm. right? But of course, catch 22, right? Like people changing the choice metric is likely one of the things that gets us into the second wave or the third wave of the thing. The extension of it, right? Right. So it's just, you know, we're not behavioral scientists. I think that's pretty obvious if you're listening along. We are just curious humans watching other humans curiously. <laughs> what are we all doing right now? And what is the basis of this choice? Oh, I remember the, the period of extended certainty is the frame of surrender like extended uncertainty is the frame of surrender right because as long as you know that for this amount of time you're between situation a and situation b you're not really in uncertainty right you don't have to keep asking you've you've introduced um the constancy of the limit mm -hmm. right and so it um makes me think about people who are considering changing career, but they're only uncomfortable with the uncertainty of being in between one thing and the next for a certain amount of time. So like for a year, I can optimistically build my business. And at 13 months, I start applying for new jobs in the industry that I just came from. Right. I remember that. Which doesn't actually um, catalyze the new learnings around being with uncertainty that you're actually being invite, invited to or that you need. So it's, it's interesting to see the, the tipping point and it, it does seem related for me. You know, I mentioned that we thought our deep dive theme today was gonna be the rising numbers of, of, of the unemployed. Um, which has currently reached almost 41 million and what they call, um, I wanna make sure I get that term right, the real, a real jobless rate of almost 24%, 23.9%. Which one is a lot of right? Which is one in four people of working age who do not actually have sufficient employment, right? And so that means that there are a lot of people sitting in this state of uncertainty, right? What are the things that we need to learn here? What are the things that we need to know collectively? And I think one of the things that emerges is an awareness that this is not a matter of personal failure, right? A lot of times when we hit waves of uncertainty in our own lives, we uh, reevaluate the circumstances in our choices. Could I have avoided this uncertainty? Was this a smart risk? Should I have made a different choice? And now there are a lot of people thrown in the water simultaneously for whom there is no individual accountability that could have shifted the scenario. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how is that different? And, and what do we need in that context? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> where, <laughs> <Great> I, <answer. laughs> I just don't know. 
I want to talk about the thing I want to talk about. <laughs> well, what keeps coming to mind is this, um, this, um, I think it was a pair of epidemiologists um, introduced, there was an article in the New York Times, they introduced this um, plan or idea for how to reopen the economy safely um, and how to do that um, kind of industry nonspecific, right? So that there weren't particular um, segments of people who were suffering sort of um, disproportionately. And it was something, it was like a, a, it was a 410, it was a 14 day cycle, right? So we move into like living our lives in these 14 day cycles where on rotating bases, uh, you work for four days and then you, you work and do, and do your grocery shopping and like maybe recreate or whatever, socialize, and then you isolate for 10 days. It's a cycle, it's a 14 day cycle where you work for four days, you take 10 days in isolation essentially, and that various groups do that on different schedules, right? So not mm. only work, but also you send your kids to school for four days and then they have 10 days off or whatever. Um, but it was sort of a way to reopen everything a little bit, to give mm -hmm. everybody a little bit um, of a chance to, you know, earn their living, go to school, like have equal access to things, um, and also to be able to early on identify like illness and whether like you were being infectious or not, right? Mm -hmm. But also that sounds like a really rough way to live too, right? What if your friends aren't on the same cycle? What if? Right. Well, <laughs> I don't even know how you would like divide that up, right? It makes me think about, it's, it's not the same, but you know, I, I live in communities of partner dance, right? It's the thing that we live to do is to touch a bunch of people fairly indiscriminately. <laughs> As long as you've got the skills, it doesn't matter where you came from or who you are. Um, and so there have been some, some conversations about dance monogamy. Like, do you find a partner and just stick with them, right? Like, for the course of an evening event, for the duration, right? So it's introduced some uh, really interesting, like, okay, well, how how do we re-engage and limit risk while actually meeting the deeper human needs for contribution, participation, connection, you know? It's fascinating to see what comes up are, are things like that. And also like is some of our symbolic needs, like you were saying with, with Wall Street, right? And not so much like what are the essential like physical, biological things that we have to do. Okay, so I'm gonna clue our listeners in to the fact that I am in Florida in the midst of a really now significant thunderstorm. Mm. <laughs> Maybe time to voluntarily turn off the power. So I'm right now swaddling a little dog who is shaking, tremoring in terror <laughs> as the rain beats against the window and like the lightning comes down and the thunder crashes so we're just you know gonna see if we can make our way to an organic end to this conversation <laughs> but just a clue if it seems a little strained as you listen at home it's not the subject matter it's the context 
time to get down in the storm cellar. I just got to finish my podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> Your dog does kind of look like Toto. <laughs> my dog, totally Toto. I used to have another dog that was like the spitting image of Toto. People called him Toto on the street all the time. <laughs> <sighs> oh, hilarious. Yeah, so like, let me, let me just throw this out at you for a place to play. If you had to choose like your quarantine peeps, like the people, like if you were entering into some sort of like exclusivity arrangement with a small group of people who was only agreeing to see each other, right? who gets to be in it? You know, that was such a great uh, Facebook meme that was circulating a while back. I don't know if you saw it but it would have it choose your like quarantine team based on like the, like the letters in the person's name. So like your quarantine chef would be someone whose name started, first or last name started with the letter C, basically like you, you t when you type it in, like autofill would tell you who that person would be. And so people were building their quarantine teams left and right, and that was really funny. Um, I don't know that I can publicly say <laughs> who my team would be, but I have a really good sense of what skill sets they need. They're highly energetic and quite specifically sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been outed while building my quarantine team. They also have to have dance skills. I think we can see them living on Tantra Island, basically. <laughs> You're like, there are so many things I can handle for myself, but like the quarantine team is going to be really focused on the things I can't handle for myself. Right. Exactly. exactly. I love that. What about for you? Oh, I think same, right? I, I basically offered my child to my parents the other day because I was like, you guys clearly miss each other. Do you just want to do this full time? <laughs> So funny when the people really close to you get drafted on the other team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did it right in front of my child. I'm not sure how I felt about it, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that 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 um, you know, because my kiddo has been wanting to like, is there? Can I see one friend? Right? Like, can I be mm -hmm. with one friend? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, am I willing to give up a couple of spots in my quarantine team to? their parents I don't really know no like no I don't want them to be the only friends that I'm seeing <laughs> which is and that's so, so interesting that you mention it because I think I know a couple of like families who are quarantining together not literally living with each other but like they've got kids of similar ages and so they're still doing activities together basically they've got like a unit of like eight Mm -hmm. Right. And so some of them are like hiking and kayaking and traveling. It was actually really fun. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was out on the shopping adventure the other day, I, I saw a group and it was really clear that like, well, I shouldn't say it was really clear. It seemed clear in both like the, the physical markers and the behavioral markers that one of these kids was not from the same family. <laughs> right like he wasn't calling the the leader of the team a mom <laughs> and seemed to just have a different relationship to like comfort in the situation right so he appeared to me to be a guest child 
And I thought, oh, what's that like right now? Like, how do you decide into which families you allow your child to like visit, go on a play date, go on an errand or excursion? Those are not those are not questions that I'm asking right now in my own personal world. My little dog is really happy to be underneath me 24-7. 24-7. And now we've added the extra layer of like swaddled and tightly squozing. <laughs> squozing. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I have some work to do putting together my quarantine team. That's right. It'll be like, uh, what is that, like fantasy football? (laughs) Or quarantine draft. I should send out some messages. Hey, you're on my quarantine team. Can you make it from this other country in this other hemisphere where you currently reside? That's part of the problem with my quarantine teams. Many of them are not that close. So there are some quarantine obstacles. Mm -hmm. I'm also now thinking that my quarantine team needs to include like my esthetician and... (laughs) my hairdresser see I, I've been practicing I get to see her soon and I've actually been practicing not hugging her out of ecstatic joy <laughs> like when I get there I'm gonna re- 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 retain my composure um, like cool <laughs> right I'm gonna not just like leap on her out of the sheer joy <laughs> being able to have hair assistance <laughs> I'll just let her like read it in the non-masked part of my face. Oh my god. Practicing my eye emoting. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, it's been a fun journey, friend. We never know where it's gonna take us. We never do, do we? Swaddle dogs. Right, quarantine teams. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? In the meanwhile, I'm definitely not planning on taking my child to the water slide park this summer, which is his like number one request at this moment. Oh yeah, nope. I think I think nope. We're not doing that. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm just not gonna do that. Yeah, that really did a doozy on my brain. <laughs> trying to think about lots of kids excitedly clustered in the same place waiting in lines all touching the same large plastic objects i mean i think waterside parks are kind of gross to begin with but but we endure these things for the sake of the happiness of small humanity (laughs) we do we do although that may now not so much i got a hose you got a yard let's do this (laughs) reintroducing the slip and slide <laughs> or just the hose <laughs> you're lucky we'll put a sprinkler attachment on it for you kid that was like like a crowning moment when we were like little kids it's like you know your hose has got like a sprinkler with like the many different settings summer never looks so good Grilled cheese sandwiches and yard hoses. I feel like I'm from the ancient times now. <laughs> so while we're not judging this group of people who are changing their behaviors to be more externally facing in the world, 
just know that Kianga and I are a wealth of ideas for how to not have to do that. If you're struggling, if you have a particular craving or need, and you want some help figuring out how to have that happen in your house or right outside of your house, we have ideas for you. That's right. As always, the call stands to reach out to us at becomingfreehumans at gmail.com. <laughs> We're having way too much fun, peeps. We'll see you again next time. We'll see you back here again tomorrow for the next installment of Diary of a Pandemic. If you want to connect with us about working together, joining us live on the podcast to share your own answers, participating in the free community as you document your own journey, or really anything else, drop us an email at becomingfreehumans at gmail.com or through the messaging function of whatever app you're on to listen. See you tomorrow.